ladies and gentlemen, is near that time of year where summer dies before our very eyes and is replaced by the middling season that is autumn. And in the words of public enemies, Chuck D, bring the noise. FM Podcast Network. I am Charlie Taylor, and this is What's Good. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Hope you've all had a good week in the circumstances. Yeah, it's it's about it's about that time. It's, it's about that time over here. I'm not here for it, but here we are. It is what it is. Summer's about to die. I'm I'm, I'm barely the 20 degree weather is already gone. This is it's just barely getting. It's barely peaking at 18 now. It's just it's a, it's about to be wraps. It's it's uh, it's, it's it's dying down, and uh, it's just the worst. It's just the worst time. I say that, but apparently it's going to be twenty two degrees in the next two days. But I'm not exactly confident, considering it's going to rain those days. So you know, what's what's heat if rain's going to you know ruin it and cloud cover? But anyway, past that, past the weather talk, and uh, you know, I feel like the universal. I mean, over here anyway in the UK, I feel like the universal sign is those long ass like legged insects, like spiders with wings looking motherfuckers, and they and they and they like spread they spread out on like uh, brightly coloured walls and like mate. It's just ugh, I hate I hate it. They're the worst. Like they're, they're the harbinger of something summer dying for me, and they just make me cringe every time I see him weird little fuckers anyway hope everybody's doing well I am doing well it's not I'm calm switching up uh, I've been switching up my work regimen in the past week and uh you know I'm not really sure about it I'm not I'm not sure quite at at this point um you know I've still got the rest of the week to go see how it goes you know what I mean but I've been switching up my times um as it pertains to work and uh yes it's been it's been interesting it's been interesting like uh because i usually have i usually block it in you know a couple of days like three four days but now i'm spreading it over the week so i'm kind of like working every day if that makes any sense but in more you know shorter intervals or short shifts so um, i don't know i don't know how i feel about it um don't know if i'm into it or not really that high um but you know we'll we'll see how we'll we'll see if i stay consistent um but yeah, apart from that, can't complain. Um, got some. Uh, I'm 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 selling some shades. If anyone wants any, I don't know why I'm saying that. Like I'm like I'm gonna sell. I don't know what's gonna listen to some shades. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm selling some sunglasses. I'm I'm trying to switch up my. Trying to switch up the gear a bit. Um, you know, I've realised over the couple of years I've been copying sunglasses. They're all very similar. You know, in in design. So I'm trying to like you know get to some different get in some different different types you know what i mean for different occasions trying to switch up a little bit you know what i mean i in in the way that some people you know put effort into like uh perfume wearing right and some people have like one for the day one for the night or a hot and cold right uh you know so stuff like that i i have different sunglasses for different occasions you know what i mean and uh, for different times right of the of the day exactly etc etc um so and, and, and i usually just most of the time, it's usually just for color coding purposes. Like, um, you know, if I'm wearing something gray, I'm putting on my silver shades. You know what I mean? Just to go go with that go with that theme. Um, but yeah, anyway, I'm selling some shit and uh, re re upping. Uh, but yeah, apart from that, yeah, it's pretty solid. <laughs> Can't complain. All right, let's get into the show. Uh, we have uh, so I'm gonna do, I'm gonna try something different this episode. Uh, I do have four topics technically. Um, I have four articles. Um, but uh, two of them are in the same subject, so um, there's going to be no, um, there's only going to be four interludes, so to speak. There's usually obviously five, um, including the in a week where. Um, <coughs> but yeah, I'm going to be continuing on for a half hour block, um, non-stop on that front with no break, uh, talking about, uh, 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 well, well, we'll talk about it when we talk about it, but that's going to be right in the middle. Um, and then obviously two uh, two two singles uh, yeah, bookending both. Um, so yeah, we have two film and TV, which is the two two piece, uh, one music and one life. 
Let's jump right in. Formalities before we begin, however, email to the ID, Discord link, all that, all that, all that in the full show notes. Please go peep the articles for yourself and support the writers that make this show possible. And with that said, let the beat drop. And let's get into the show. In a week where Arlo Parks wins the 2021 Mercury Prize, I'm not surprised, but you know, because I feel like that was the easiest pick. Um, uh, yeah, but uh, I, I really wanted Lauren Fuller to win. That's just me. Um, you know, I feel I feel like her work and the comeback she's had and the story behind her comeback, I feel like is very fascinating. And the album just slaps. Like the album's absolutely crazy. Not to say Arlo Parks isn't doesn't slap. It hits different, obviously, in a different way. Um, but I don't know. I feel like I feel like Pink Noise by Lauren Fuller is more unique, but that's just me. Uh, and and also added on to the storyline. That's that's really the, the 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 that's really where it takes the crown for me. The storyline behind her album is great. Anyway, uh, a royal aide says the Queen supports BLM. Well, fuck guys, fuck. That's a that's a big that's a big uh, that's a big encouragement right there. Good, good, good. Shout out to the Queen. Give those crown jewels back if if you support BLM. Then yeah, how about that? Yeah, okay, all right. Emirata Kanu wins the US Open. Uh, many, 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 many statistics, many storylines behind that. Um, I, I, I would love to get into it, but I just do not have the time. Uh, but yeah, that was an interesting story. That is an interesting story overall. Um, and, uh, you know, anything to shit on Piers Morgan is all, all fine by me. Uh, 12 to 15 year olds in the UK will be offered, uh, offered, keyword offered, the COVID nineteen vaccine, right, guys? It's not. It's not. That's not freak out. They're just offering it. Okay. If you want, if you don't want your you like the the parent and the kid has to consent, right? So you know that's that's a that's a that's that's fine by me, right? I think that's fine. If both of them agree to it, go get jabbed. It's all good. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not that kind of guy that forces people to do it, right? Um, especially the use because for the use is different. Um, apparently. I'm not an expert, but apparently it's different. So, you know, if, if they both consent, it's all well and good. Go for it. And lastly, Prince Andrew gets served. You've been served. Take, eat that, bitch. Yeah, yeah, take, take that jail sentence. Well, obviously, I'm saying that, you know, in hope. Um, uh, apparently, there was like a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, tasks. It was a big task to try and get him that serving. Um, but he has been served, and we'll see how it goes. Um, you know. Uh, I I really hope he just at least he he needs to go jail right he, he needs to go jail like he can't he can't he can't be continued on honestly like it's been going on for too long let's be real anyway let's hop into music and this is all about uh honestly do I want to say my favorite artist right now she probably is um next to Kendrick Lamar uh Lil Sims is my favorite artist right now um she has been for a while for at least four or five years now um I've just her work just speaks to me. Um, it speaks to my sensibilities, and it just—it's just—it's relatable in a way, um, and and it's just really good music. And it changes every time, but also stays consistent uh, with her—I don't know—with her just essence, if that makes any sense. Uh, she's just a fascinating person, a fascinating artist to me. Um, if you haven't listened to "Sometimes I Might Be Introvert," please go. Like honestly, <coughs> fuck it, stop this podcast. Stop this podcast right now. Go listen to it. Honestly, I, I'm I'm fine with it. I think I've got the st- uh, the statistical listens. I'm good. Go go fuck off and, uh, and listen to sometimes my introvert. I'd rather you do that. Hopefully, if you come back, come back, please. But yeah, please go listen to it. Um, but yeah, I found this article that just um you know um helps me you know express um the the excellence that the 27 year old uh, Sims has right now, um and the, and the essence she's caught right now with her new album um so this is by uh misha M- misha i'm gonna say misha uh fraser carroll uh spelled with a ch so that's it you know could go either way i'm gonna say misha uh how little sims found her way out of wonderland this is uh in independent let's try and buy him little sims doesn't hesitate to place herself alongside the greatest living rappers <clears throat> uh this presented a problem 
uh, for me as I try to think of original ways to describe her newest album. Sometimes, sometimes I might be introvert. Her use of sampling feels very late registration era Kanye, but her lyrics have already told us explicitly. I think I'm Kanye West. I see the blood on the leaves. Some of her poetry is comparable to Jay-Z, but on her last album, Grey Area, she assured us that she's surpassed his lyricism. I'm Jay-Z on a bad day, Shakespeare on my worst days. Absolute top top tier bar. Top tier bar. I love that shit. Love that bar. Fuck. Go this to a fed, so Grey Area is great. Uh, but this uh, signature confidence is part of what makes Little, little Sims... <clears throat> known as Simbi, Simbi Ajikawo to family and friends, so exciting as an artist. She knows exactly how powerful her music is, and she'll tell anyone who asks. Uh, in an evening standard interview last month, she earnestly explained, quote, honestly, respectfully, I think I'm very, very talented, unquote. The now 27-year-old started out young, performing freestyles at a local youth club aged nine. She was 16 uh, when she re- released her first mixtape in the years that followed, the rapper amassed a cult following and, follow- and found herself a mainstay on ones to watch lists uh, for the better part of the last decade. But it was a great area, which took on the theme of quarter-life crisis with gorgeous orchestral production that finally saw the artist gain widespread recognition. Now, sometimes I might be introvert, will undoubtedly cement herself, uh, her self-proclaimed position among the genre greats. Produced by a childhood friend Inflow, Simbi, the sometimes yeah acronym Simbi. Uh, Simbi reintroduces uh, the Dark Symphony Orchestra we heard on Grey Area. It's even stronger on this record. The full works with tinkling harps and a dramatic choir that strikes a tone somewhere between an opera and a James Bond film. That's a great. That's a great line. Shout out to Fraser Carroll on that. One. That's a great line. That really is what it sounds like. Uh, mean, meanwhile, uh, Sims's lyricism is razor sharp, as she tackles themes that are simultaneously more introspective and more expansive than ever before. Unsurprisingly, the theme of introversion is a common thread throughout the album. Uh, as I nearly said, film. By the way, I, I was really close to saying film. Because the shit is a movie, let's be real. Like, if you listen to it, it's a fucking movie. But I, 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 I caught myself right in between that throughout the... I was about to say film, but I said album instead, because it says album. As someone who also identifies with the personality type, I find it interesting to see Sims owning it in the public realm. Uh, most celebrities don't, choosing either to hide behind extroverted mask, uh, masks constructed for interviews and public appearances, or to craft elaborate alter egos to obscure their shyness like Sasha Fierce or Sia. Uh, for Sims, not so much. Although she acknowledges that she uses a stage name, Simbi, Sims the Artist or Simbi the Person, she asks in Haunt of the Anx- Anxious Track Introvert, one of her best tracks, I think it's her top, one of her top five tracks ever, uh, she brings her full self to this album. Uh, in presenting herself to the world, Sims demonstrates a constant push and pull between her signature bravado and her inner neuroses which are always lurking in the shadows. On Introvert, she tells us, quote, One day I'm wordless, next day I'm a wordsmith. Close to to success, but to happiness, I'm the furthest. On Protect My Energy, a bouncy electro-funk song about sinking into your own company, the lyrics counterintuitively chime, quote, Don't call me, I don't want to speak, I got problems, but I ain't fucking weak. Of course, being introverted (coughs) isn't the same as being insular or self-involved, when I spoke to Sims last year, as she babysat her nephew, she told me how the pandemic had, in some ways, brought her closer to her family and friends. That sense of community is ever-present on this record. Sims's sister, her mum, and her wider family are, cl- are close by in every single track. Perhaps this should be expected of someone who brought her mum to the stage at Emmy Awards and the cover of G... Uh, is that say- it's actually GQ or G2? Because in- the independent news is obviously like very... Um, serif uh, font and I don't know if that's Q or 2 I eh, don't know whatever whole songs also from the point of view of other people such, such as Lil Q part 2 which details the stabbing of a cousin from his perspective other parts of the album explore strained family dynamics such as the devastating I love you I hate you which tackles Sims's feelings towards his her estranged dad as someone who ever rarely ever cries at films TV or music I welled up to the lyrics I never thought my parent would give me my first heartbreak, and are you a sperm donor or a dad to me? It feels more hard-hitting and vulnerable than anything Sims has written in the past. I agree, personally. Me, I'm talking now, I agree. Uh, She confirmed in an interview with The Guardian earlier this year that discussing her and her father's relationship did pose a real emotional risk. Quote, if I, I came up with any excuse not to address it, 
I didn't want to go there, unquote. But she does, she does, see, this is funny, because, like, she low-key mentions it in Backseat, which is in the deluxe edition of Stillness in Wonderland, and once I listen to that song, I really love that song. And she she performs it live. I don't know if she will this uh, this time around uh, when I see her in December, but she performed it in the Grey Area tour as well. And I was always fascinated by that track because I felt like she has something to say there, but she didn't quite get into it. And then came I Love You, I Hate You, and I was just like, she fucking did it. Good on her. Because um, you need to... Because ex- when you're nice, like you have to... It's, it's so worth it, I feel, exploring that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? The neuroses of like and unpacking your life and making it so personal um it just adds so much flavor to you know your overall artistry i feel that's just me though i know some people i mean i mean we talked about it with michael k williams like uh, the other week so i can understand where people don't do it <coughs> uh, there are creative risks on the album too songs are punctuated by motivational interludes voiced by another none other than the crown's emma corin that's the closest i'm gonna get to the crown by the way <laughs> um uh, da, da, da. Uh, what's most bizarre is the fact that Corin delivers these monologues in the voice they use to play Princess Diana, uh, which, over fantastical strings and glocks, uh, creates a sort of fairy godmother feel. Excuse me. Um, quote: They won't sign. Uh, they won't silence you, but they'll try to. So follow your heart; it will guide you. Corin declares theatrically in a plummy royal accent. Uh, in the in the context of, uh, of the rest of the album, which covers themes such as racism, violence, and poverty, this choice is genuinely bizarre. A juxtaposition that pulls the rug right out from under you, but it also feels so, sort of nostalgic and personal. Uh, Corin is speaking to uh, us as much as they are to the Sims. Uh, considering the artist's personal struggles and fierce determination that has driven her since childhood, I read this fairy godmother character as Sims's own motivate voting motive. Sims's own motivating inner voice. There is something a little bit introverted about this too, reflected in Cor- Corinne's words, quote, Your introversion led you here. Intuition protected you along the way. Although the f- device feels a little cliched at times, it ultimately works with the orchestral drama to give the impression that Sims's life is a tale of epic proportions, fit for its own opera. There is, this, that is no small feat. In fact, it's a sense of grandiosity that guys like Kanye West are currently chasing after, but failing to pull off. Uh, yeah, 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 okay. Uh, on si- <laughs> I'm not even going to bother commenting on that. Uh, on Sims' first two albums, uh, she referred again and again to the story of Alice in Wonderland. A newcomer to the formal structures of the music world, she had followed the White Rabbit into a nonsensical land of fame and industry politics and was navigating her way around this bewildering landscape. While there is one nod to the tale in Sometimes I Might Be Introvert, the shift to the fairy godmother motif tells us something significant about Sims' position and how she sees herself in 2021. While she still has her own doubts and demons, it seems as if she is no longer lost and disorientated in the industry. Quite the opposite. This album feels masterful, proving Sims has finally gained her bearings to reach her fullest form. And that's the entirety of the article, and um, I don't know about you, but I thoroughly enjoyed that, but just, that's, you know, most, mainly because it's just, you know, somebody else is somebody else is talking about Sims. Big up. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I love I love um, uh, I I love the album. I love Sims. Uh, you know, I can't speak highly enough um, of her artistry and just uh, of her progress. Um, you know, if you listen to her mixtapes, which I have, um, you know, over the years, like you just see the natural progression. It's just so. It's one of the most organic progressions I've ever seen in from an artist. Um, and, you know, as a final thought, guys, if she doesn't win every fucking award under the sun for this album, I'll be very surprised. If she doesn't get, if she doesn't get Brit Awards, which I don't care about, but if she doesn't get next year's Mercury, if she doesn't get freaking Ivan Novello's out of the fucking ass, if she doesn't get every Mobo under the sun, I'm going to be extremely disappointed. I'm going to be extremely disappointed about uh, but you know that's music industry stuff. I don't I rarely care about that kind of stuff, but if she, but I'm expecting her to get some recognition on this more than gray area. Um I I wanted it. I've been wanted it. I've been wanting her to get this rec- kind of recognition uh since Stillness in Wonderland and uh, you know as I as I look up to the left of my wall and see vinyl of Stillness and Wonderland, Grey Area and Simbi. Um I I just I, I can't I can't I can't say enough. I can't say I can't 
I can't get there's not enough time for me to express how great I think Simbi is as nice and uh, every time she keeps knocking out of the park and she 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 keeps topping it. Um, this album is kind of a mix of both Grey Area and Stillness in Wonderland for me. Um, the, the Fairy Godmother thing kind of mixes in with like the uh, I don't know what you want to call it uh, in the Stillness in Wonderland, but there's also interludes in that that you know make it very abstract, and uh, I like that. I love the abstract nature of it, but this one's more obviously Disney kind of thing going on, more operatic, James Bondy as um as, as it was put in the article. You know, it's interesting. Um, you know, the motifs are very similar, uh, but they are packaged in such a unique way and in their own in their own flavour. And I just love that. So shout out to Lil Sims, here are some flowers, metaphorically. So we head into our double dip, our double feature, as you, if you will, of uh, film and TV. And uh, it is all about Channel 4's recent uh, Black to Front. Um, so if you guys don't know, uh, I think it was on... Oh, what day was it? <laughs> I can't know what so I knew what day it was. Um, but it was like on Friday? Was it Friday or Saturday? I think it was Friday. Uh, September 10th. So yeah, 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 Friday. Um, so on Friday, last Friday... Um, Channel 4 did Black to Front, which basically, and it was saying in the first article, uh, basically, you know, it's just uh, all the programming will be led, fronted, and hopefully in the back as well, uh, by uh, black talent and just black behind the scenes people, etc, etc, basically just making everything black, and um, yeah, it was, um, it was a fascinating, it was a fascinating day as it went through, <gasps> I was currently working at that point, so I didn't see everything, but I did watch um, specifically news, which was very fascinating in terms of just how they went about it. Um, they uh, did kind of like a half and half of, you know, just straight up news that they would normally do in regular day. Um, but the other half was more about, um, uh, you know, issues that weren't really talked about. Um, more, most importantly for me personally, or the, the most notable, um, was when they talk about uh, the Benin statues and they talk to... Um, well, as of this recording, former Culture Secretary uh, Oliver Dowden um, talking about uh, basically, you know, returning artifacts, you know, that, you know, Britain, the British Empire stole from, you know, places like uh, Benin City, which is, uh, well, Benin, which is now Benin City in, uh, I think, Nigeria. <laughs> I know. Fucking hell, let me Google that right quick and not embarrass myself. Uh, Benin City, <laughs> Nigeria. Right, there you go. So, uh, uh, Edo, uh, Edo State in southern Nigeria. There you go. So let's, let's, let's get that. Let's get that correct right now. Um, but yeah, uh, so, you know, stuff like that. And it's very interesting um, in thinking about that because, you know, you wouldn't see that. That I think the point was of that is to talk about things that you, you wouldn't be talking. If, if there weren't black presenters in Channel 4 News, that would not be talked about. Let's be real. Unless the news cycle was covering that, in, covering that subject in some fashion, uh, but that was completely unprompted and completely OG. And I am here for that. That's what I like. I like that. I like that. You know what I mean? So, uh, anyway, let's get into let's get into the um, this is the first bit. So this is the first part of like how the bold strategy and looking into it. So this is by Minori Ravindran. Ravindran uh, of a uh, variety. I think I, I think we did a. I think she had an article in here a couple of weeks ago um, called "Black Broadcasters Will Lead Channel Four for 24 Hours Inside the Bold Strategy Exclusive." So let's just jump right in. UK broadcaster Channel Four, a network set up in 1982 by Thatcher, uh, with a remit of championing unheard voices and taking "quote unquote" bold creative risks, is presenting an industry first on September 10th, when its entire schedule, including commercial breaks, will feature black on and off screen talent. Titled "Black to Front," the initiative has taken full year to realise it was uh, since it was announced uh, in August 2020, just months after the murder of George Floyd in the US. Uh, the idea emerged amid a, amid a dis. Uh, Disquieting, yeah, disquieting period for the UK industry, which is reflecting necessarily on its own shortcomings around inclusion. The major broadcasters committed an array of representation-focused talent schemes and funds, and more than 5,000 people signed an open letter demanding an end to exclusive practices. The refrain, however, rang a little too familiar. Quote, 
It felt like there were lots of conversations being repeated. Vivian uh, Maloku, uh, a factual entertainment commissioner at Channel 4, tells Variety. Uh, together with uh, Shaminda Nahal, uh, or Nahal, uh, a commissioner for factual and arts, the discussion turned to brainstorming, quote-unquote, a giant leap forward. Another quote, something, uh, something that would make you stop and think and talk about representation, unquote, explains Moloku. They landed on a project that was announced last August as Black Takeover Day, but was renamed Black to Front in November. Oh, yeah, yeah. Black takeover days, but, um, yeah, I feel like some people would take that out of proportion. Um, uh, over 24 hours on, on Friday, September 10th, the channel's programs, including Celebrity Gogglebox, Countdown, and Channel 4 News, will feature an all-black representing and reporting team. Popular long-running soaps are Hollyoaks, uh, will be an hour-long ri- uh, special written, directed, and performed by its black talent. An iconic morning program, The Big Breakfast, will be resurrected for the first time since 2002 with comedian Mo Gilligan and presenter AJ uh, Adudu uh, hosting alongside original newsreader Phil Gale. Crucially, the channel which consulted with and took recommendations from the Sir Lenny Henry Centre for Media Diversity is also carving out a new program with an eye on amplifying fresh on and off screen talent that could grow careers at Channel 4. Among the new projects are comedy pilot Big Age from up-and-coming writer Bolu Babalola, uh, about four young black British friends of Nigerian heritage in their 30s, late-night talk show Unapologetic, which will challenge ideas of what black people are allowed to say and what's off-limits, and docu-reality show High Life, uh, featuring a cast of trailblazing British West Africans, including DJ Cuppy and Kid Waya, or Waya, don't know. Uh, quote, uh, the triviality is that when you turn on British television, you'd be hard-pressed to see for a few hours, let alone the whole day, only f- only black faces anywhere, unquote, uh, notes Maloku. Uh, we don't have Viacom CBS own black culture-focused channel. Uh, it says that in brackets, by the way, so I shouldn't say that. BET. Uh, so for this to happen on mainstream television felt like it would be huge. It would mean that we'd keep all keep uh, talking about something we'd know we can't fix overnight, unquote. But the plan has been hard won. Of the four, of the fourteen companies producing the program's thirteen shows, just four black-owned production companies took part, and only on new titles. Unapologetic, uh, and only on new titles. Unapologetic is from SBTV and Cardiff Productions. Digital Commission, how to be, how not to be racist, is from Acme Films, and High Life is co-produced by Creative Row with Optimum. Uh, the lack of black or even diverse ownership across the production companies delivering some of Channel 4's biggest biggest shows is glaring. To this, Channel 4's Deputy Director of Programs and Head of Popular Factual, Kelly Webb-Lamb, uh, assures that the brief was delivered to all black and diverse-led production outfits. But ultimately, the channel focused predominantly on black uh, on- and off-screen talent rather than on the production partners themselves. <laughs> no shit. Uh, the onus, she argues, shouldn't be on black and diverse-led companies to diverse the workforce and understand how to find black talent. Quote, it's important that it doesn't always land on black-owned indies to take that responsibility because all production companies across the sector should genuinely engage, unquote. Mm, that, seems like a, that seems like a deflection to me, but we'll keep, we'll keep on. Meanwhile, there has been criticism on the, black, on the basic ethos behind Black to Front. Uh, Brit- uh, black British to catch a dick comedian uh, London Hughes, who na- who is now based in LA, took to Twitter in July to share that as a black creative in the UK TV industry, all she'd wanted all she'd wanted uh, was a fair and equal shot as my white counterparts. "Quote: Don't just give us black to front days just so you can feel better about not including people of color in your TV output for the rest of the year. It's insulting," uh, she wrote. If Channel Four wants to. I think this is continuing the quote, I'm not really sure. Uh, If Channel 4 wants to spotlight black talent, she argued, oh, there we go, why not do so by booking and hiring uh, more talent through traditional routes? And, you know, I think I've, I don't know if I mentioned this on the show, because I I, I remember I wanted to talk about this when she mentioned it, but, um, yeah, I can see where she's coming from. I really can. And uh, uh, in some ways, this is very performative, but we'll get to that in a bit. We'll get to that. Well, let's let's, let's put a pin in that. We'll talk about it in the second half. Uh, Maloku, Nahal, I, I can't, I can't pick a lane. I'm gonna say Nahal just for the sake uh, of choosing. And Webb Lamb, uh, for whom Black to Front is a swan song, 
uh, before her departure, departure from the broadcast late this year, anticipated the criticism miles away before the project was even announced. Quote, I understand why people were saying that, uh, the proof is in the pudding, admits Webb Lamb. I get that because it is, unquote. <clears throat> British television is known for certain seasons of programming. The BBC, for example, recently marked the 25th anniversary of the Disability Discrimination Act with a season of shows. The broadcast also carried out a questionably titled Big British Asian Summer season in 2018 that evoked similar criticism at the time. Uh, quote, it's very easy for seasons to, uh, to be siloed, unquote, with all the shows originating from just one department, says Webb Lamb. Quote, Buck Black to Front requires every single genre department beyond commissioning to be completely involved with the depth of what we're doing is much, much, much greater, unquote. But more than that, it's about sourcing opportunities for talent when Black to Front is wrapped. Quote, talent whom we found for these projects have now got roles on Channel 4 going forward. Really? I highly doubt that. Every single one? Like, every single person? Or what? Like, you know what I mean? I just, find, I just find that a bit of reach. And, you know, Mo Gilligan's had a show before. You know what I mean? Scarlett Douglas, for example. She's had, she's had work with Channel 4 before. So, I'm not quite sure about that. Uh, someone like ZZ Mills, right? Who was a YouTube personality at this point, And obviously got unapologetic. I can understand that kind of side of it. And obviously, Channel 4 was hosted by people who are already on under channel four right um you know they, they're all they're all there um anyway so I, i'm not really sure about that point but we'll continue uh some of those back there back for the industry uh, it's always been massively uh, more uh, more than a day to us as nahal uh, though there may be lacking <coughs> though they may be lacking in black owned production partners a significant component of black to front success is 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 its work behind the scenes with off-screen talent for its new commissions. Roughly five programmes, Channel 4 asks its production partners, quote, to aim to maximise black talent within legal bounds for 100% black representation off-screen, unquote. While that wasn't possible to do a skills gap, okay, uh, Weblam uh, says the channel took the un- unprecedented steps of issuing a call-out itself for cr- a, cr- a talent across editorial, creative, production and craft roles and advising suppliers to broaden their networks. Quote, we will be completely transparent about where we get to uh, because the learning is in the gaps, is where Blam, who uh, says Channel 4 is publishing a quote-unquote manifesto for change with its findings. Uh, well, I, I'm, I might peep those findings and might give them a read on here if, I, if, uh, if it ever comes across my desk, uh, uh, my figurative desk. Uh, quote, we have to take quite large steps, reasons Moloku, and yes, those last steps may end up being controversial, but if we get to a better place, I have no issue with that. And that's interesting. Uh, that last point is very interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm very interested in how that, how that would come about uh, in terms of that conversation. But anyway, let's jump right in, straight into double dip. Let's straight into the next one. Um, this, so this is kind of like a analysis after the facts. So obviously, that's how the day came about. That's how the executives were doing it uh, in some way. A little bit exclusive on that. Um, but this is kind of like a debrief. In the title it says debrief. So I'm going to use that word, debrief. Um, so this is by Emmanuel uh, Anyamasigwe. Um, he uh, heads up uh, the British Urban Film Festival, which of which um, I am a, you know, uh, I am award winner from last year. Just like to throw that out there. But he's also a film producer as well. And obviously founder and uh, I think CEO is the, t- the correct term of the uh, uh, British Urban Film Festival. Correct me if I'm wrong, if he ever listens to this. Shout out to Emmanuel. Anyway, so this is um, via screen lately. It's called Channel 4's Black to Front Coverage, The Debrief. So let's continue on. Let's jump right in. Uh, last November, the Oscar award-winning uh, director Steve McQueen brought small acts to the nation's screens in prime time on BBC One. And yet, as far as yours truly was concerned at the time, the viewing uh, figures did not reflect the magnitude of the programming and the man behind it. There were those who said that the low viewing figures for small acts, 1.2 million average, should not be a determining factor when it came uh, when it came to asking whether the anthology would ever be recommissioned in the future. <clears throat> The averages for Michaela Cole's I May Destroy You were even lower than Small Axe, uh, though that didn't stop both dramas from winning a sizable chunk of TV BAFTAs earlier this year. Maybe those people had a point. Perhaps more importantly, the programmes should be recommissioned as evidence that the culture of diversity and representation becomes learned behaviour both on-screen and off-screen. So, do viewing figures matter? Well, going by yesterday's hoo-ha regarding the 9.2 million who watched an 18-year-old immigrant make British point history on Channel 4, incidentally, then yes, the viewing figures still matter, especially when the future of the channel is at stake. The 9.2 million is even more impressive when you consider that the Women's US Open final was not available to stream on any of Channel 4's digital platforms, audio, uh, 
audiences coupled uh, coupled with the 12 hours notice audiences were given when news of the broadcast scoop was announced at 8 a.m. on Saturday. Of the 9.2 million, 48% of people watching at the time were aged 16 to 34, the holy grail of demographics most cherished by all broadcasters. It remains to be seen uh, whether Channel 4's 24-hour showcase of black talent uh, uh, will satisfy the people that it needs to satisfy if there is to be a tangible legacy from black to front. The last time the UK had anything remotely close to what's fondly known as our own BET was 25 years ago when BBC2 commissioned and aired the the A-Force a late night, a late Friday night black entertainment slot, which ran from 1996 to 97, uh, 20 past 11 to 1:15 in the morning. I've actually never heard of that. That's fascinating. Okay, this, I'm, I'm learning a lot with the with this with this uh, this paragraph. This is great. Um, programs within the slot include the predecessor to Unapologetic Blouse and Skirt, uh, hosted by the late Tony Morris, with regular panelists Curtis Walker and Gina Yashere. Hey, Gina, gang, gang, uh, and guest panelists such as Craig Charles, Craig Charles, uh, Angie Lamar, and Junior Simpson. The show eventually gained a spin-off series in 2000. Uh, the soap opera Brothers and Sisters, written by Amarasante. Yeah, Amarasante. I knew my name, but I, I, it, felt, it felt weird coming out of my mouth. I thought I boiled it. And starring the likes of David Harewood and Sandra B. Uh, also uh, the spin-off series. 25 years on, the best that BBC One can come up with is a 25-minute pilot in the form of Dreaming Whilst Black. As for Friday's viewing figures, dot, dot, dot. Well, the first overnights revealed that The Big Breakfast, hosted by Mo Gilligan and AJ Adudu, uh, was watched by 45,000 viewers, a 1% uh, 1 audience share between 8 and 10 a.m. In comparison, BBC Breakfast was watched by 1.2, a 42% audience share, uh, and GMB was watched by 640,000, a 22% audience share. To put the Big Breakfast figure into uh, some sort of like-for-like comparison, a recent episode of the self-titled Farage program on GB News was watched by 43,900 on Monday 31st of August 7-8. As uh, intimated earlier, there will have to be other reasons for out, uh, outside of viewing figures for Channel 4 to consider bringing back the Big Breakfast, which in 1993 was the highest rated UK breakfast TV program at one point with 2 million viewers. The show's successor, Rise, ran for 20 months with the broadcaster can- cancelling the show in December 03 due to low viewing figures. On one occasion, the show recorded zero viewers. No way. That's fa- I've always been fascinated by that. Like, what? How many? How many shows on on like you know big channels of let's say the big four, right? How many shows by the big uh, 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 by commissioned by the big four has had zero viewers? I would love to know that statistic. That's actually kind of fascinating. Zero viewers. Imagine that you're doing an actual whole TV show on Channel Four. It's not like you're doing it on like you know student radio where you know I might might. I don't even know how many listeners I got on student radio. Probably like one or two people um, live. But, you know, fuck. I don't expect viewers. I don't expect listeners on student radio, radio sonar, but like a seven to eight or whatever time I did it on. Or six to, what was it, seven to nine in the morning? Fuck, fucking hell, you know what I mean? I don't expect people to be awake listening to me. You know what I mean? But fuck, zero on Channel 4, Ross. Anyway. Uh, Mel B's Pack Lunch, uh, featuring Chris Camaro and Dane Baptiste, was watched by 125,000 in peak, uh, 12.30 to, tw- to 10 p.m. Uh, the slot average is usually 210, uh, which is three percent, or just over 3% audience share. At its peak, uh, week commencing 8th, 8th of February 2021, the show originally tied Steph's Pack Lunch, which obviously held by Steph McGovern, uh, posted an average of 277,000 and a 3.3% share. At one point, uh, 22nd of September 2020, the seventh episode recorded zero, zero viewers again. <laughs> zero viewers, whilst on the same day, Loose Women on ITV peaked with 1 million viewers. Like The Big Breakfast, this was not an original commission. And so it's not clear whether there would be an appetite for Channel 4 to create standalone shows with the aforementioned talent, though it should be said that Mo Gilligan, Mo Gilligan already has his own show. There you go, that's what I mentioned. Um, Hannah has, has been a regular face in for the channel in recent years. For the record, the latest show with Mo Gilligan averaged 645,000 in its most recent run. 
Hollyoaks featuring Richard Blackwood, Kelly Bryant, and Jemenia. I hope saying Kelly Bryant right, because uh, it's with E at the end, so I don't know. Um, and directed by actor Patrick Robertson. This is from 6 to 7 p.m. Was watched by 290k, uh, which is a 2.4 uh, uh, audience share. Big Age, the one-off comedy pilot from Bolu Babalola, uh, which was at uh, 11.05 to 11.35, was watched by 230,000, which is a 3.8 audience share. Celebrity Gogglebox, uh, featuring Charlene White, Rudolph Walker, Munya Chihuahua, G- Judy Love and Maya Jammer, was watched by 2.6 million viewers between 9 and 10, which is 70, 17%. Coincidentally, Judy was a guest presenter on the Big Breakfast Live uh, broadcast, and Dane was a guest panelist on Unapologetic, hosted, co-hosted by Yinka uh, Bikini, Bokini, not not b- not bikini bokini with o uh, and zz mills uh, which was ha- aired from to 11:35 to 12:35 in the morning speaking of unapologetic the late night talk show which also featured gary young and mercy maroki of gb news fame uh, was watched by uh, 170,000 which was the 3.8 audience share just as well, uh, Channel 4 had something to shout about regarding Saturday's live tennis. Otherwise, the mainstream press would have had an absolute field day regarding Friday's undefi- uh, unedifying sorry, uh, numbers after everything that the broadcaster threw into this landmark initiative. Of all the programs which aired on the 10th of September, only Highlife will remain not near in the same time slot until the 1st of October, uh, which just happens to be Nigerian Independence Day and the start of Black History Month. <coughs> Uh, the first episode of four, uh, which will be from ten to eleven, if anyone wants to watch, uh, was watched by thirty three hundred seventy thousand, which is a three point seven percent audience share. The slot is uh, y- the slot average is usually one point three million, just short of ten percent of people watching TV at the time. Uh, when the final consolidated figures arrive later in the week, it is more likely that Celebrity Gogglebox uh, will rank as the most watched program on the day. I'm very confident it will be on that f- uh, as in agreement. Uh, speaking of programming, whilst there was much to admire, particularly Channel 4 broadcast, watched by 450k, including me, um, broadly in line with Bulletin's average, the choice of black film, Moonlight, left a lot to be desired considering the options Channel 4 had, its, had at its disposal. On, excuse me, on Wednesday 8th September, uh, Film 4 broadcast a repeat of the black British film Baby Mother, excuse me, Baby Mother, uh, financed by C4, no less. Uh, They could have waited two days, one would assume. Incidentally, Baby Mother aired at 12.40 and Moonlight aired at 12.35, which, come on, guys, let's be real. You're right, I I wanted to record those and I forgot to record them, Um, but I'm not watching, I'm not watching, I'm not watching Film 4 adverts. Nah, I'm not watching that at 12 in the morning. I'm sorry. Like, I'm recording it, I'm skipping the ads, I'm sorry, it's not going to happen. Uh, I really want to watch Baby Mother as well. I've actually, I've actually never heard of it until recently, until it dropped uh, the other day. Uh, I saw a trailer for it. I was just like, well, how have I never heard of this? Anyway, um, if not Baby Mother, then what about all the other black British films that Channel 4 has have financed over the years? Second Coming, for one, would have been a timely nod for director Debbie Tucker-Greens, uh, whose next feature, Ear for Eye, is due to premiere at the London Film Festival uh, on BBC and on BBC Two next month. Or about a film from the Lake Menelik Shabazz, uh, for, full disclosure, my mentor brackets, for whom it's been 40 years this, y- 40 years this year since he made Burning an Illusion. Uh, if Black to Front was about winning hearts and minds, Menelik Shabazz would, should, would have been a great place to start, I agree. Uh, given the success uh, rate, the buff, <laughs> here you guys plug in, uh, the buff has had in showcasing black talent courtesy of the British Urban Film Festival, which I found in 05. In the last 12 years, 12 months alone, the likes of actress Ru- Ruby Barker of Bridgerton and writers such as Jesse Qu- Quinonez, I hope you said that right, uh, and Isis Davis have become breakout stars. Nine years ago, Buff was given its own primetime schedule on the Community Channel. At one point, Amal Amin, soon to be seen in Boxing Day, could be seen on two TV channels at the same time. BBC Three chose to air a repeat of Kiddlehood at the same time Buff was premiering Amal's short film uh, Drug Drink Drugs KFC. Make of that what you will. Buff has had several black-to-front programming blocks on various channels over the last decade, including London Live and Channel 4. For the record, Buff was approached back in June 2020 to contribute to programming to Channel 4, long before black-to-front became public knowledge. To date, we have never received feedback from our proposals. Ooh, that's spicy. That's spicy. Ain't hitting them back. Don't know about that, Channel 4. 
don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it's British Open Film Festival. I can't really think of any other, like, premiere, you know, um, platform from a film festival standpoint promoting, you know, diverse uh, programming. I, I can't think of a better one. Anyway, so where do we go from here? Will September 10th be a moment in time or the new normal? Will it result in other broadcasters falling over themselves to outdo Channel 4, a black weekender perhaps? We've yet to find out what televisual treats uh, lie in store ahead of uh, Black History Month. Can you imagine the disappointment of not having something resemble Black to Front every day in October? Unfortunately, that is the feeling most people will have if the expectations of Black to Front uh, or its BBC, ITV, Sky and Netflix Channel 5 equivalent are not met, which they won't. Spoiler alert. I agree, won't happen. Uh, it's been 25 years since black talent in the UK has had uh, had it this good in terms of national network exposure. It had to take a level of empathy, education and exposure, uh, the death of George Floyd was actually started online, to get us to this particular tipping point. What will be the next tipping point in the long attritional history of black British representation on and off screen? For some, the question has been asked and should be asked why do we have to demand representation anyway? I've always believed that weighing should never be an option, hence why Buff was founded 16 years ago. Neither did the executives at Pivot TV, based in the Midlands, uh, wait before launching a new Black British SVOD channel in January earlier this year. You cannot not know that these platform in the na- uh, platforms in the name of Black British Entertainment exist. Find them online today and many others elsewhere and continue getting your fix. I'm reminded of the Christmas song by Wizard, where the line goes, Oh, I wish it could be Christmas every day. And what... <laughs> that's, what it's, uh, that's what it felt like on September the 10th. How much of our black British talent would have felt the need to go to the United States to get the love if it was, on, if it was Christmas every day? All food for thought as we continue to redefine business as usual. Well, that's a lot, and uh, I've given myself no time to talk about it, um, which is unfortunate on my side, but, you know, it is what it is, and I feel like, you know, it's worthy to get all that information out there, um, especially, you know, from a statistical standpoint, and, uh, you know, you guys might, you might, got, might, you guys might see it from, like, a, you know, very capitalist perspective and just go, oh, boy, they didn't get the same viewership as average, so, you know, why, why should they exist, and yeah. You know what I mean? And, you know, I'm not, I'm personally not saying, right, um, you know, have Channel 4 news, you know, be black all the time, right? Because it's Channel 4 news, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm not expecting channel, something like Channel 4 news to be that, like that. Um, <clears throat> but it's, it's more about, it's more about trying to find the medium, you know, it's trying to find the medium here. So this is one day, one out of 365 days of programming, okay, for a whole TV station, right? Of, uh, of of black on and off screen talent and again mentioned not all uh, black production companies on that front on that level it's just on and off screen talent right majority black okay obviously there isn't a majority black population in the UK so I am not here to expect that we have uh, black to front every day I am not here to expect in ex- uh, yeah to expect um, or demand even demand right a, uh, a, a, a you know a Christmas everyday mentality to programming right now what I do suggest is um, you know either have the, those channels that Emmanuel and Yemisigwe uh, mentioned right something like a Black BET of that nature right so I'm I'm here for that because that's just one channel out of a thousand you can that you can get into and obviously audience share is a is a worthy thing there when you look at it from a metric standpoint right um, but I personally um, feel that TV is different from a film perspective where, you know, I feel like black production companies in film can actually um, get a leg up and uh, create the stuff they wanted to create. And it's something I genuinely think uh, I I definitely want to do someday, um, you know, on that front and be able to create what I want to. And uh, if people want to, uh, if people want to cop it, they can cop to show it. It's all good. But I'm making that shit by myself, and no, well, not by myself. But you know what I mean. Uh, with with my under my own name, so to speak, right? Or some, or you know, under a name, and uh, and uh, have no input from you know corporations, so to speak. I'm not here for that. I don't want to have. Uh, I, I'll if if think of it as a music label. 
fully independent, making the music I want, right? There are Little Sims, Harping Back, is one of those artists. Has our own label, right? Obviously, it's under AWOL, and AWOL is owned by under, I think, think Universal, don't don't quote me on that. Um, but yeah, either way, independent label, she ain't getting touched by, you know, um, uh, by people outside of her, her circle, right? It can happen for film, but TV is a little bit different because you're doing it via channel. So unless you start your own channel, then you're fucked. Um, hence why people do shit on YouTube and stuff like that. But obviously that's more short form. Um, but yeah, it's crazy. Um, there's a lot to break down as pertains to Black to Front. Um, I would consider it a moderate um, success for what it was. Um, the, but the thing is, it's not about the utopian ideal. It's not about having this uh, black supremacist ideal, right? That um, I feel like some people, if they watched all the, pro- if they if they saw the adverts for it, and they were like, "What? Why? Why do why do all the black people get get died? What about you know?" Same same thing. Black History Month, White History Month. Same that those same people, right? You know those people exist, okay? Um, it's not about the supremacist nature of, of something uh, like this. I'm not saying Black to Front is a supremacist um, seed, but you know what I mean, right? It's not about having all black content every day for the rest of life in the UK, right? Unless there's a channel asterisk, right? If it's on Channel Four. I feel like it needs it definitely needs more representation. I want Scarlett Douglas, someone like Scarlett Douglas to constantly get work on that front. I want I want ZZ Mills to get that kind of work. I want, you know, Channel 4 to, you know, have some sort of investment on that front. Um, you know, of not just covering the news but also having, you know, that original, you know, obviously they use dispatches as that on that front and you know, that's all well and good. But, you know, it's worth it. I feel like it's always worth it to have those diverse perspectives. And again, not again, but I'd just like to finish off with this, you know. Um, I would love to see an Asian version of this, right? Um, I would love to see that. Obviously, BBC tried that and it didn't work right? On, uh, in terms of just marketing, I feel. Um, but, you know, Asian, there's a, there's a bigger Asian community in the UK than black community. You know, and that's that's something that's rarely said. It's it, but it's factual. Like you know, I haven't got the we haven't got the census results, re- the recent census results. Still waiting on that. But I'm very sure that the overall Asian community is um, of all countries that are you know classes Asian are bigger than uh, Black British. So you know, I'm here for that as well. I'm here for that diversity of just non-white content, and that's what I'm here for. That's me. Um, but as it pertains to this, and I'll finish it for here. Um, it, I feel like it was a success. It was a good mark. It was a good place to start. But as always, there needs to be more on all fronts. So up into our final segment of the episode is life, and we are talking about uh, basically the cost of misogyny. Um, so this is an article via the international edition of the Economist. Yeah, it's called uh, "Societies that treat women badly uh, are poorer and less stable." And uh, I just, I just, I just found this a uh, very fascinating read, and I feel like it was necessary in you know in the midst of uh, Afghanistan and how women are being treated there and how they're going to be treated in the future. Um, you know the digression, the 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 regression on that front societally um, is palpable and uh, it's very clear in the conscious right now in the world uh, world geopolitic geopolitical uh, standpoint uh, scope. Uh, but yeah, I just found this fascinating and worth a read. <coughs> uh, a woman who drives a car will be killed, says uh, Sheikh Hazim Muhammad Al Manshad. Uh, he says it matter of factly, uh, without raising his voice. The unwritten rules rules of his tribe, uh, the Al Ghazi of southern Iraq, are clear. A woman who drives a car uh, might meet a man. The very possibility is a violation of her honor. So her male relatives will kill her with a knife or a bullet and and bury the body in a sand dune. That's a good start. Uh, The sheikh is a decorous host. He seats his guests on fine carpets in a hall that offers shade from the desert sun. He bids his sons. uh, He bids his sons serve them. Serve them strong. Uh, bitter coffee from a shared cup. He wears a COVID face mask. Uh, 
Yeah, the code he espouses uh, is brutal. And one aim of that brutality is to enable men to control women's fertility. A daughter must accept the husband uh, the husband that her father picks. If she dallies with another man, her male kin are on about to kill them both. Women, women mostly stay indoors. Your correspondent visited three uh, Shia tribes in southern Iraq in June uh, and wandered through their villages. He did not see a single post-pubescent woman. Oppressing women is not only bad for women, it hurts men too. It makes societies poorer and less stable, argues uh, Valerie Hudson uh, of Texas A&M University and Donna Lee Bowen of uh, and Perpetua, Perpetua Lynn Nielsen of Brigham Young University. That's Perpetua, that's an interesting uh, name. Uh, some Iraqi cities are quite liberal uh, by Middle Eastern standards. But much of the rural hinterland is patriarchal in the strict sense of the word. The social order is built around male kinship groups. The leaders are all men. At home, women are expected to obey husbands, fathers or brothers. At tribal meetings, they are absent. Quote, I'll be clear, according to tribal custom, a woman does not have freedom of expression, says Mr. Manshad. Uh, the male kinship uh, group has been the basic unit of many, if not most, societies for much of history. It evolved, it evolved as a self-defense mechanism. Men who were related to each other were more likely to unite against external enemies. If they married outside the group, it was then women who moved to join their husband. This is called patrilocal marriage, and is still common in most of Asia, Africa, and the Middle East. The bloodline was deemed to pass from father to son. This arrangement is, uh, is called patrilineal. Uh, property and leadership uh, roles also passed down the male line. Daughters were valued for their ability to give birth to sons. Strict rules were devised to ensure women's chastity. Uh, such rules were designed for a world without modern states to keep order or modern contraception. Uh, in rich liberal countries, the idea of the male kinship group as the building block of society faded long ago. Elsewhere, it is surprisingly common. As a group that champions an extreme version of it, has just seized power in Afghanistan, it is worth uh, looking at how much societies work, how such societies work. In the first political order, how sex shapes uh, governance and national security worldwide, Miss Hudson, Miss Bowen, and Miss Nielsen ranks 176 countries on a scale of 0 to 16 for what they call the patrilineal fraternal, fraternal syndrome. This is a compos composite of such things as unequal, uh, unequal treatment of women in family law and property rights, early marriage for girls, patrilocal uh, marriage, polygamy, bride, bride price, son preference, uh, S-O-N preference uh, violence against women and social attitudes towards it for example is rape seen as a proper crime against men wow wow that 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 just I just read that blindly and uh, I that, I need that to wash over me Whew, okay proper damage fuck imagine oh ooh, ooh, no 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 can't think like that that's that's that's, oh, that's weird to think about <sighs> rich democracies do well Australia, Sweden, and Switzerland all manage the best possible score of zero. Uh, Iraq scores a woeful 15 with Nigeria, Yemen, and pre-Taliban Afghanistan. Uh, only pre-Taliban, fuck. Only South Sudan does worse. Uh, dismal scores are not limited, uh, limited to poor countries. Saudi Arabia, uh, Saudi Arabia and Qatar do terribly. Nor do Muslim ones. Uh, India and most, subs, most of Sub-Saharan Africa do badly too. Overall, the authors estimate that 120 countries are still to some degree swayed by this syndrome. As a patriarch, Mr. Manshad is expected to resolve problems his tribesmen, tribesmen bring to him. Many involve bloodshed. Uh, yesterday, he says, uh, he had to sort out a land dispute. Men from another tribe were digging up sand to make cement on a patch of land that uh, both they and Mr. Manshad's cli cl tribe claim. Shooting broke out. A man was hit in the thigh. A truce was called to discuss compensation, mediated by a third tribe. In a separate incident five years ago, three men were killed in a quarrel over a truck. We have, quote, many problems like this, unquote, says the sheik, size the sheik. Uh, the Iraqi police are reluctant to intervene in tribal murders. The culprit is probably armed. If he dies resisting arrest, his male relatives will feel a moral duty to kill the officer who fired the shot. Or, failing that, one of his colleagues. What? The fuck? This is... What the fuck? Okay, right. Fuck. This is, I'm, just, I'm just trying to let this wash over me and continue on, but Jesus Christ. Few cops want to pick such a fight. It is far easier to let the tribe sort out their own disputes. <laughs> 
this is so this is so throwback and I'm saying throwback um just you know uh uh I don't know it's it's just a bit uh, I'm just trying to yeah it's a lot of words to this I can give it but I'll say throwback just to be you know neutral um the upshot is that old codes of honor often trump Iraqi law and also whisper it Islamic script uh, uh Islamic scripture which is uh, usually milder cycles of vengeance can spiral out of control quote uh, innocent bystanders are being killed uh, complains Muhammad al-Zadjin uh, who advises the governor of Basra um okay i think the loca- i think Basra and Tororo was the locations not the people okay there we go just, just to confirm, because I was running who the hell is Badger and Tororo, but I think it's locations. Anyway, uh, continuing on. Uh, where was I at? Oh yeah, uh, Basra, a southern city on tribal affairs. Quote, the last gun battle uh, was the day before yesterday, he says. The previous month, hey, he had helped resolve a different quarrel, which dated back to a murder in 1995. And had involved tit-for-tat killings ever since. This is gang warfare. This is literally gang warfare. Is it not? It's, it's literally another word for gang warfare. Eye for an eye, to you know, what I mean, it's, it's literally that. This is just what came out, came across on this front. But anyway, uh, Mr. Mr. Zadin uh, has two bullet wounds in his head, inflicted after he decreed tribal shakedowns of oil firms. What the fuck is going on? His phone rings. Another feud needs med- uh, mediation. A woman was accused of having sex outside marriage. So far, seven people have been killed over it, and five wounded in the past few days. Because two of these slain uh, were elders, their kin say they must kill ten of the other tribe to make it even. Mrs. Adyan has a busy night ahead. No shit. Clan loyalties can cripple the state. When a clan member gets a job in the health ministry, he may feel a stronger duty to hire his unqualified cousins and steer contracts to his kin that, uh, than to improve the nation's health. This helps explain why Iraqi ministries are so corrupt. Oh my gosh, this is itchy gang warfare. This is itchy like if Pablo Escobar or when or when Pablo Escobar got into the uh, Colombian government. You know what I mean? It's literally the same thing. Obviously, the difference there is drugs, and this one's more about, uh, I guess, uh, you know, just straight up gang shit. But fuck. Anyway, um, and when the state is seen as a source of loot, people fight over it. Iraq saw five coups between independence in 32 and Saddam Hussein's takeover in 79. Since then, it has, ha- it has invaded two, excuse me, two neighbours, uh, been invaded by the United States, seen jihadists set up a caliphate, or caliphate, uh, Kurds in effect secede, and Shia militias, uh, some backed by Iran, become nearly as powerful as the government. Clearly, not all this can be blamed on patriarchal clans, but it cannot uh, all be blamed on foreigners either. Miss Hudson and her co-authors tested the relationship between their patrilineal, syn- patrilineal syndrome and violent political instability. <clears throat> uh, they ran various regressions uh, on their 176 countries, controlling for other things uh, that might foster conflicts, such as ethnic and religious strife, colonial history, and broad cultural categories such as Muslim, Western, and Hindu. Fucking hell, I have so much of the article left. Oh my gosh. Okay, I'm going to skip a bit for the sake of time because this is just absolutely fucking me crazy. This is driving me crazy of just the amount of like, uh, the amount of anecdotal craziness that's going on. Um, okay, uh, even in rural Iraq, uh, some sexist traditions are in retreat. Mr. Manshad says it is no longer acceptable for men to pay blood debts by handing over a daughter. It is haram, he says. Uh, though local feminists say it still goes on. Other trends that help include urbanisation and pensions, uh, include urbanisation and pensions. When women move to cities, they earn higher wages and increase their clout at home. Their clan, ten- their clan ties tend to loosen too, since they live surrounded by non-members. I feel like that's the case on uh, when it came to Kabul and Afghanistan. Um, but yeah. Uh, I'm trying to just find a non-anecdotal point because Jesus Christ I'm okay I'm gonna finish there because a lot of it's just a uh, anecdotal and uh, I can't I can't listen to any more <laughs> I can't read any more of uh, just how fucking crazy it literally just came off as gang warfare to me and it was just really odd to me like and just how it was worded it's just like yeah, 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 yeah. Some of them become health ministers, and instead of you know helping the whole uh, uh, you know Iraqi people, they just help their tribes. You know, just, just you know, whatever. It's just like if a gang just gets into the U.S. presidency, it's just like yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just gonna hook up my boys. Like, what the fuck? Oh, 
Oh, gosh. Okay. Yeah, um, I don't know. Um, that, that was very loosely tied to women. I get the point, um, but it was very anecdotal in terms of writing. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean... It's understandable. Um, where you, where you can, it's basically just making the link. Like, if you treat, if if societies treat women well, then they're doing well in in you know a lot of other spaces, right? It just make it makes sense. Um, I feel I feel like you know, if you you know when you link stuff like the suffragettes and you know the uh, uh, you know a thing and events such as that, just feminist waves, right, and feminist movements. Um, you, when you when you look when you look up stuff like that, you know you see a lot of other things change, um, for the better mainly. Uh, but you know some people crack down on that. You know, go go look at you know Texas abortion, uh, Texas abortion right now. You know that's a that's a reaction to everything. That's a very delayed reaction to everything going on. Um, so you know there are and there are there are a lot of countries that just you know just straight stand that shit out so i feel like you know the argument can be made that you know if you treat women well then you're treating everybody well if that makes any sense um that's a bit of a there's a bit of an overall term and a bit broad and you could poke a lot of holes in that but let's just uh for the for now just uh just uh, let's just go with that ladies and gentlemen i'm gonna finish there god damn that was crazy um from the fifth home podcast network i'm a child and it's been what's good Andrew Music has been too much by Vanilla. Uh, I'd like to thank uh, Chirp Records for the ability to use the track. You can find both their links in the full show notes. Thanks to Nappy High for the ability to use Charismatic for the interlude. You can also find his link in the full show notes. And with that said, I hope you all have a good week. I shall always try and do the same. But until the next time, take it easy, ladies and gentlemen.